the Mighty Waters podcast, helping you unlock the power of your people. Hello and welcome to the Mighty Waters podcast. My name is Marae Toyne and you're listening to Millennial Voices. Over this series, I've been meeting with millennials from all walks of life at different stages in their career because I'm interested in knowing what does this new generation that's hitting the workforce want and envision from the workplace. We've discussed things from the application process to diversity and inclusion to fitness integration in the workplace. In this episode, my guest interview is with Kitty Powner and Kitty works in the charity sector, specifically on developing business partnerships with the corporate world. And we discuss the importance of social impact for the millennial generation, the shift in attitude that is needed by employers. We look at trends, research, and she gives some great examples of organizations that are taking action to integrate social impact into their business. You will not be disappointed. So let's get to it. Here is my chat with Kitty. Hello, Kitty, and welcome to the Mighty Waters podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. So, Kitty, you are a millennial and you've been in the working world for a few years now. And you currently work as the business development manager at WizKids. And for those that don't know, WizKids is an amazing charity which provides disabled children with essential wheelchairs and other mobility equipment, which is super awesome. And just tell me a bit about this current role as business development manager at WizKids. What, what does it entail? Sure, so I've been working for WizKids for a year and a half. Um, and recently moved into the role of business development manager, which I've been doing for about three months. So um, first things first, definitely still learning, but I'm really, really loving it. Um, And my role sits within the wider fundraising team. Um, So primarily I'm there to bring in money um, Mm -hmm. and I work within the corporate partnerships team, which is all about working with businesses and partnering with companies to raise money for WizKids, as well as awareness with their staff about our work. So my specific role is to seek out and secure those new partnerships, and that can be anything from charity of the year relationships, sponsorship, um, as well as cause-related marketing. Amazing. So an essential role at WizKids. (laughs) Um, So you're sort of a bridge between the corporate and charity. And so, so what was it that made you decide to work for a charity rather than be on the other side with the corporates? Well, I had various different experiences when I was growing up, various volunteering opportunities and work experience opportunities, and those helped me realise that I really wanted to help young people reach their potential. And when I graduated from university, I undenied about whether I should join a graduate scheme and kind of train up in something like HR or or something similar, and then transfer transfer over to the charity sector at a later date. Either way, I knew I wanted a solid introduction. And when I found a graduate scheme called CharityWorks, I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So CharityWorks is a scheme designed to give grads all the tools they need to build a career in the UK nonprofit sector. And you deliver a full-time job in a partner charity and take part in a leadership programme, which introduces you to what you need to work and lead in the nonprofit sector. So I applied, and after a pretty gruelling application process, (laughs) I secured a place, which was amazing. And... I'd say I still haven't ruled out working on the corporate side though, I'd actually really like to experience working within um, a CSR team or for a trust or foundation that allocates funds because I'd really like to see kind of both sides of the coin as it were. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, 
And this Charity Works graduate scheme, how how did you find that, the actual scheme? What was it like? I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it was a great combination of, um, you know, working full-time in a charity and kind of diving in the deep end, um, partly because as, as a graduate on the scheme, you're given... Um, maybe a bit more responsibility than mm. you normally would if you'd um, just entered into the into the sector without without that behind you. Um, and then we met up every month to um, as as a cohort um, and as kind of individual groups as well to grapple with issues that are affecting the sector. I started at a time when um, it was pretty tough to be in the sector. There was a lots of stuff around. Um, there was all the story about Olive Cook and um, individual giving and kind of yeah. charity chugging and um, kids' company collapse. So it was a really interesting time to kind of start out in the sector, and it it, it gave me a really good um, just a really good start into it. Um, and I felt very kind of trained up in in a lot of the issues that mm. I would be facing, kind of in the first few years, but also yeah. kind of going going forward as well. Um, and it was great to be kind of kind of journeying alongside lots of other grads who were really passionate about the sector and really wanted to to make a difference in it yeah. as well and um, and you had people that were placed on frontline roles as well as kind of head office roles people okay. lots of people working in housing associations as well so it's a really nice kind of broad um yeah broad look into the sector as and well. what was the background of the other graduates on this scheme what were they good question <laughs> um a lot of them i mean to be totally honest the the diversity was um was an issue and they were oh okay looking into how they could improve that it was very kind of white middle class interesting yeah um and i i don't all university graduates yes so you had to you had to have been to university yeah why is that why do you think they put that as a requirement i don't know because i don't think that's you know a necessity um i think I mean, you had people that were there that had maybe worked for a few years already, but mm. wanted to kind of to get that sort of training and, and that background and do the leadership course alongside it. Um, and I think the organisation that runs it does have other schemes there, which you can apply to if you haven't been to university or okay. if you're wanting a bit of experience. Um, they're kind of a consultancy for social change and stuff. So... Um, I'm fairly sure that is the case that you had to go to university. Hmm. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting that it's lots of British middle class yeah. university graduates. Anyway, we'll get back onto that. <laughs> um, so, Kitty, as you know, um, I wrote a Millennials at Work white paper uh, at the beginning of this year. Um, as a millennial, just really interested in knowing why the research shows that millennials just aren't quite engaged in the workplace currently. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so one of my discoveries was that millennials put a high premium on passion and purpose at work. And a Pew Research Center found that millennials place a higher priority on helping people in need than having a paying career, so earning the big bucks. <laughs> and 77% of millennials claim to be involved in a charity or good cause. And 76% believe that business should be a positive force for social impact. So, in your opinion, does this sound right? Do these stats make sense to you? Yes, absolutely. Um, when I applied to Charity Works, 4,000 people applied for wow. um, a place which I think only had, am I going to get this right, less than 100 places. Um, and this year they had 5,000 applicants. 
Um, so I think wow. that certainly says something. It's increasing the number of people that are applying onto the scheme. And obviously that's not um, a complete picture. You have lots of graduates still applying for kind of classic graduate schemes in in top businesses. Um, but I do think... Um, I do think that those stats definitely make sense. And even those I know that don't work for a charity um, either choose a career because they wanted to make a difference um, or, you know, sit on trustee boards or charity committees mm. at, at their work. They volunteer at local organisations um, or start thinking about how they can move into the sector as well, applying for jobs um, using those skills that they've been trained up mm. in. So I think it, it definitely, those stats definitely make sense yeah. to me. That's fascinating that so many more people are th- considering career in charity or at least when they go into corporate world, they're focusing on doing something kind of of yeah. making a social impact within the corporate yeah. career path. I think it's definitely a different story now. When I think about my colleagues and ask how um, how they came into the sector, certainly a lot of the older colleagues I work with, they always say, oh, I just sort of fell into it. Mm. Whereas I think there's now a much much more of a drive strategic to... you think people are more strategic definitely, about this stuff definitely mm. um and another stat i'm going to throw out there is mm-hmm. um that i found is 55 percent of millennials were more likely to apply to a company if that business was involved with social causes um so what is it why do you think millennials care so much about making a social impact where's that come from um i think there are a few reasons behind it and I think it's important to note that obviously not every millennial is the same what appeals to one individual might not to another but I do think there are a few reasons why why we're seeing this trend um, I think firstly we're living in a time where you know the cost of living is rising we've all got student debt mm. um, pretty tight on cash so we don't make those big charitable donations our parents or grandparents um, did and we're pretty reluctant to buy a big ticket items too you know any kind of cost is you know we have to think very yeah. carefully about if we're we're happy to spend that amount of money um, we've all witnessed financial crisis during our formative years or some people have graduated into it and on top of that the world's in a pretty dire state um, so I think millennials are keen to give back because of all those reasons um, plus we probably want to shake off that label that we're lazy <laughs> um, entitled so we, exactly <laughs> so we work hard but given that we won't ever earn as much as previous generations I think we want our hard work to matter um, I think social media might play a part too, especially you know seeing crowdfunding pages and sites like Just Giving. They open our eyes to situations that maybe we weren't even aware of otherwise, like you know a child needing vital bone marrow transplant or access to treatment. Mm. And while you know there were events like Live Aid and our parents' generation, and, and even when we were growing up, and you know campaigns like Make Poverty History, um, I'm sure we all see things on our news feeds or on Twitter that we may not have even no more an issue if we didn't mm. have that kind of technology around yeah. and so readily available um some might be a bit disaffected and disconnected with the corporate machine as well and they don't hold so much value in kind of traditional views of success which typically might be financial um i think some millennials might not be interested in getting rich but changing the world instead um <laughs> or maybe it's because we just can't get rich like our parents or grandparents did um yeah that's that fascinating. Yeah, no, that's so fascinating. So to summarise, you'd say kind of contributing factors to why millennials care so much about social impact is sort of witnessing sort of the financial and sort of 
insecurity and up and down and um, financial crisis of the past um, knowing we're perhaps not going to be as rich as previous generations or at least um, it looks different now yeah. and social media kind of giving us access to I guess understanding the state of global inequality Absolutely. Um, um, do you think as a sort of side thought do you think social media despite it obviously giving us amazing information and access to knowing more about the state of the world do you find it's become perhaps too much information as well I think so I think um <laughs> I mean, this is a bit of a funny tangent, but I was watching something online last night and they, um, on TV even, and they said, you know, well, don't make a scene, it'll be on social media within the hour. Uh. And, you know, anything, you know, we're living in a time where stuff can go viral so quickly. So if there is ever a scandal within the sector, as we've, as we've been seeing over the last year um, and, and beyond, um, it happens quickly. And also I do think we're living in a time where, yeah, we're not trusting everything we see. Mm. So I think it's a bit of both, you know, it, it has it's it has amazing potential to open our eyes to global inequality and, um, you know, in a way that we may not be able to experience there in person, if you see what I mean, um, but also potential to really kind of damage reputation of charities as well. Yeah, quickly. very quickly, yeah. very, very quickly. It's quite scary, really. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, so anyway, going back on something completely different, so... Um, there's a guy called Josh Burson, works mm-hmm. at Deloitte. He talks a lot about social innovation and impact at Deloitte. And he actually says that um, our generation, they care so much about social impact because there's sort of a sense of duty. Um, and I guess, as we said, social inequalities for us are just more obvious. We're more aware. We have them in front of us all the time as in presented to us. Do you believe businesses are doing enough to sort of meet this kind of eagerness to address the inequalities or this sense of duty that our generation might feel? In one way, yes. And in another, no. (laughs) Which doesn't really answer your question. Um, I was at a training event earlier this year and heard a quote from Paul Polman. I think that's how you pronounce it. Who's Unilever chairman. And he said this in December 2017. He said on his appointment, Unilever was a present from heaven when the opportunity came to lead this company. I actually only joined this company for its values. The origins of Lord Lever, when he did his Sunlight Bar Soap and Lifebuoy, it wasn't to report quarterly profits or make stakeholders happy. It was to address the issues of hygiene in Victorian Britain, which were humongous. So the reason that I believe business should be around and the reason businesses have been created is to serve society. Mm. So obviously, back then, that was the only reason why they existed. It was to solve a a problem that... A a problem in society. Exactly. Yeah. Now, since then, I think there was and still is a huge focus on those quarterly profits and sales figures. And CSR is kind of seen as, as a good thing to do or what we should do. So a business will most likely have a CSR team because it's the right thing to do. But I do think there needs to be, and I'm starting to see it in in my own work, there needs to be a shift towards CSR as an essential part of business to meet that eagerness from millennials. Um, They should see it as a crucial element that drives the business rather than a tick box exercise. That CSR teams are simply there for employee engagement, which is a very vital part of a CSR team. But if the majority of workforces are seriously wanting to make an impact and work for businesses that are purpose-driven then I think CSR needs to be more than a tick in a box. Millennials see it as an essential thing to do. Yeah, so 
would you say then that rather than this sort of tick box activity um do you think millennials are then looking for this sort of integration of social impact in the work that they do so rather than just one-off donations or volunteer one-off volunteering or pro bono work sort of an active integration yeah definitely I think I think businesses need to see that they should be Mm purpose-driven and that by working alongside a charity in a much more kind of strategic way you know we can help them achieve their goals Mm. um and I think because millennials are so eager I think they do want it to be just embedded totally into the business rather than just a bake sale here and there I think they want to know that their work that they're doing their you know business as usual work day-to-day work is having an impact on Mm. on society so when you're working um with these CSR teams of different corporates are they seeing this change within their employee and within their organization are they seeing kind of a shift to a real sense of wanting to make an impact and eagerness I think it varies depending on the company that we're we're working with or we're pitching to I think to be honest a lot of my experience to date um with these you know, classic charity of the year application processes is that when we pitch for a partnership, most of the questions at the end are about the number of places they could get in the marathon or how many t-shirts we can give them. For them, it's definitely still about the number of, mm. of activities they can get involved with to keep their colleagues engaged rather than questions about how we can help them as a business, how our, you know, how our work with young disabled people, you know, how we can match that up with their goals. Um, yeah. It is just definitely... A numbers game stuff. Absolutely. Interesting. So perhaps for some CSR teams it's still a numbers game, but what kind of stuff are organisations doing that you've been seeing that are great and doing well around social responsibility and social impact? So some of our most successful partnerships um, at WizKids have been those that have really embedded the charity into the business. So they're able to work the partnership into business as usual by maybe using CRM, so that's cause-related marketing. Um, so those are things like, you know, selling charity Christmas cards or innocent drinks with their little bobble hats for AGK. Um, so raising money um, so that staff don't have to dig into their own pockets or ask other people to dig into their own pockets. It's mm-hmm. just something they're embedding into their into their business routines. Um, I think it works really well because it. You know, it drives sales for them, which is obviously a business benefit, and it raises money for us too. So it's kind of a win-win. And I think when a partnership is based on that, it's sustainable. So staff don't get partnership fatigue, as we've previously seen, mm. previously seen with sort of two-year charity of the year relationships, where they're constantly having to do like a static bike ride or a bake sale, or yeah. you know, it's their own time. And with with companies that you know have colleagues that are probably very time poor, mm. integrating a partnership into into their business, into their normal ways of working just makes total sense because yeah it works for them it works for us and so what what kind of integration what would that look like for whiz kids so um good question uh we've done a lot of work recently about um the the kind of impact that by engaging with disabled customers um you know when when you're when you're a disabled person you want to go to a business. So say if you're you're wanting to go and have a day out with your family, you want to make sure you're going somewhere that's firstly accessible so there aren't any awkward moments when you get there. Yeah. Um, and where the, the staff there 
you know have good customer service service experience for families and individuals that are disabled so we're often saying to you know say if we're approaching a leisure company or you know a cinema chain or something you know we'll say to them we can train you up you can train your staff um in disability awareness we can do some work around your your sites and your venues to check that they are accessible and you'll be tapping into a whole pool of customers that may not have been coming to you before because either they had a bad experience somewhere or um they don't have the confidence to mm. um and quite frankly the time it's a lot of effort to go somewhere and then if if it's not accessible to go home again yeah you know, they want to go you know if it's cinema they want to go and they want to see a film with their family and um, so we're saying to them you know we've got this whole pool of customers business exactly and that's a lot of money for a business there's um there's a lot of figures out there around it's called the purple pound um and it's about how much um but there's about 12 million disabled people in the uk who have a combined income of billions (laughs) (laughs) don't know the exact number on my head at the moment um and actually if we can help a business tap into that then it's huge opportunity it's huge opportunity Um, so it's in their interest Exactly. So when I was pitching to um, a high street retailer recently, they had um, they have a global aim to employ one disabled person in every store. So obviously we can help them do that. Yeah. Um, so okay. Yeah. So you're integrating with the goals of the business goals yeah. around diversity and inclusion. Exactly. Around... Okay. Awesome. And so what are the areas? We've touched upon a couple of things already, but... What would you say are the specific areas for improvement? What do you think millennials want from businesses that they're working in, um, or even charities that they're working in um, around social impact? Well, I hope my particular area for improvement is something millennials actually want. Uh, certainly <laughs> something I want. Or at least, life. what would you want? What would I want? Um, well, I think given that millennials are so passionate about working for purpose-driven businesses that CSR team should stop the staff vote. So I'll explain that in a bit more detail. So much of my work is getting in touch with CSR teams and managers, asking them when they'll be reviewing their partnerships and whether we'll be able to apply. Many processes rely on the organization, so WizKids, receiving a nomination from an employee, meaning that you have to be big enough um, or a brand name that people know to even be considered as part of the process. Then you might be shortlisted to apply. You might even be invited to pitch. And then if everything is working in your favor, be down to the last two or three charities in the staff vote. So that's the process where employees vote for their charity, vote for the charity they want to work with for that year or two year or three year period. The whole process is hinged on the idea that CSR and charity partnerships are only a way to engage employees as the entire process is employee led, which I can see makes sense for them as a business but there are many things I could say about the process that frustrate me but I think that if millennials really want to work for a purpose-driven business it has to be different the last vote Mm. we were in was extremely frustrating we received feedback from our pitch and from the charity board um, that they all wanted to work with us it was unanimously they were like we want to work with WizKids you gave the best pitch the stuff you were saying you know it fits with us as a business all the activities you can offer are going to be great but you know the way you just tied it into who we are and our values was just excellent um so they shortlisted us to the vote because they wanted to make sure that their people decided yeah. um and we lost and only 25 percent of the business actually voted so when wow. they say it's employee-led 
yeah not really um so and actually in fact our most successful partnerships at WizKids have been ones where the board the csr committee decided just to scrap the vote because they knew we were the best fit for them Mm. Um, they had a good representation from across the whole business on their committee that they could show to their employees that WizKids were the best fit for all different lines of the business. Yeah. Um, so my recommendation is stop the staff vote because I think, you know, if you are wanting to have a purpose-driven business and you're wanting to engage with your millennials that want to work for someone that has a social impact, you need to make sure that you're working with an organisation that is helping you do that yeah I was having a meeting just this week with a marketing manager for a national again a leisure company and uh, he he was saying that he had a meeting with his colleagues and they said we really want to really want to work with a charity we really want to work with a charity <laughs> will you do it and he said well if you're wanting it to be a tick box exercise and to engage the staff then I'm not your person but if you're wanting it to be a relationship that will drive sales and work for us as a business then I'll definitely do it so it was great breath of fresh air to hear someone that was saying yeah. you know recognizing that that is that is where we're moving towards um so yeah interesting and this staff vote you know that actually really reminds me of um you know in Waitrose where you get yes. the little green tokens We've had that. <laughs> yeah and Obviously, awesome. The waitresses are giving money away, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that in itself inherently is a great thing. But the fact that you get this green token, and then you choose between three charities, and you're kind of in a rush, and you're sort of reading the sort of headlines of these charities, you're not getting any information. You don't know their story. You don't know what they actually do. You mm-hmm. don't know how much money they've even got already. You don't know the scale of them. Blah 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 blah. And then you just pop a token in and that's your kind of vote done. And there's no attachment, there's no story, no integration into your own life. And and, uh, anyway, it sort of reminded me a bit. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) A bit of that. We were were one of those charities in in the Waitrose next door to our office, so... Who knows how much money we'll get from that? Ah, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I'll be taking this back. Maybe it's the most you'll exactly, ever get. <laughs> I was telling everyone in the office, you know, make sure you go to HOs, put your green token in R1. <laughs> um, and, you know, is is there any organisation you would say, Kitty, that is doing this integration of social impact really well? Yes. <laughs> Great. That's good news. <laughs> so I think Marks and Spencer, M&S, um, is doing it incredibly well. I think why I think that is it's not it's not you know it's not CSR for them. It's it's sustainability. It's it's just the way they run their business. Doing good and being good is at the heart of them um, as a business. And they've got this Plan A twenty twenty five, which is their way of providing deep social purpose to transform their business. Um, and it's their big priority. They know it's how they can stay relevant to their customers in an age where every aspect of the of the retail sector is being disrupted. Mm. And their, you know, their sponsorship of Macmillan Coffee Morning makes total sense. It's, you know, their cafes, their food halls, their simply food stores participate in it. It's totally embedded into each line of their business. You know, and when you you know, you scan your Sparks card and they say, Oh, we'll donate to your, you know, your chosen charity, you don't bat an eyelid, or, you know, when you go up to the till and they've got the um fashion targets breast cancer um crms um at the tills you know it's you don't it's just normal it's just part of it's just your experience with m&s exactly and, and that's probably why you want to go and shop with them because mm. you know that they're they're giving back it's mm. and it's not 
you know, actually I went into M&S yesterday and there was someone shaking a bucket, but I don't know when the last time I saw that was. You know, actually for them, it's much more about how they can engage their partnerships and their their charitable relationships into them, into their business. Yeah. Um, you know, their work for Oxfam is, you know, you can come and put your clothes in bins in their stores yeah. and they'll go and take them off to an Oxfam charity shop. It just, it's all ingrained into, into yeah. how they work. Um, and as a cons- as millennial consumers, do you think that kind of stuff is going to become even more important when you're making a decision as a customer of where you want to buy your food or buy your clothes or that kind of stuff will sway yeah. you? Do you think, I think that's, so. that's true? There's been some research that you know. If, um, I'm just thinking about M and S again. You know, at Christmas they do their um, Christmas sandwiches um, in aid of shelter. Um, yeah, and you know, if you've got a normal, you might have what's it, what's a Christmas flavor? Turkey um, and cranberry sauce yeah, or something. I was just going to say that. So if you've got <laughs> one which is just their normal one, or you've got one which is maybe twenty five p more, but it's in aid of in aid of shelter, people are going to pay more because it is going back to a good cause. Um, yeah. So by knowing that, yeah, I think we're going to see it more and more. I think. And do you te- do you think technology is going to be an aid to that? No. Yeah. <laughs> How do you mean? I'm just thinking like, um, so for instance, the integration with your Sparks card or um, the way that, for instance, M&S is communicating with their customers is going to be more and more through technology. So when you're at the checkout, an easy integration of, yeah. you know, 5P, you know, yeah. tap your contact list or Yeah, so there's a, um, you can, there's a company called Pennies that, um, now I don't know the entire details about it but essentially it's you can round up if you've spent money in M&S maybe or any other retailer and you've spent you know £15.32 they're like why don't you round it up round it up to £15.40 and we'll donate that extra money to our charity partner or you know so there you go brilliant example and it's such an easy way to in, you know integrate that into your into the business um, we're always telling any of our partners that you know are, are retailers to do it you can do it they're, they're thinking about how you can do that online as well because obviously mm. we're seeing you know that's technology people much more people are buying online now um, but yeah I do think technology is going to play a big part in it so Kitty as we end this episode um, what if you could speak to the decision makers of corporates around social responsibility what would your recommendation be top three takeaways for them Mm -hmm. I think my first would be start thinking about how you can create win-win partnerships so think about how a charity can help you achieve your goals I heard something recently which said um, I think it was KPMG someone asked and I don't know when this was but they said you know who would care if this organization didn't exist and I think they were trying to highlight that they needed their values and and their social responsibility just embedded into the core of them as a business. Um, so think mm. about how, you know, what what are your goals, what are your values, and how can a charity help you achieve those? Um, I think a really good example is um, the partnership between NSPCC and O2, um, and they partnered. I, I I know this partnership took ages to kind of get off the ground, but what it is now is that they're providing O2 are helping NSPCC provide online safety for. Um, advice for parents um, mm. so they have their funding a specific helpline um, and obviously that just makes 
so much sense. Um, so think about what it is that you want in the charity partnership and how a charity can achieve, mm. achieve help you achieve those goals. Yeah, partner with a charity that aligns with your absolutely own values absolutely. and mission and all yeah. of that. Um, and I think a way of doing that is scrapping the staff vote, move away from that, <laughs> that kind of understanding of CSR. And if millennials want to work for a purpose-driven business that really gives back and is socially driven, then start thinking about CSR as an essential part of your business and change that selection process so that you can find the charity that works for you best and aligns with, aligns with your goals and values and, and mission. And, you know, thinking about what millennials want and assessing your organisational culture as well. You know, if you have two volunteering days um, for your employees, are they actually using it? Is it beneficial? Is that a sustainable impact? Is it useful? Um, yeah, what's your experience been? Has that been useful? Um, yes and no. So often I do get companies calling up and saying, look, we've got we've got a day that we need to use. Um, we'd love to work with WizKids. We really believe in what you do. We want to have a team sort of bonding day. So there's about 15 of us and we want to, you know, we want to meet the young people that you support. How can we do that? And I'll say, well, obviously most of the young people we support are in school. So if you wanted to meet them, it would have to be in a weekday. Oh, well, we can't do that because, you know, we've got a volunteering day to use kind of in the, in the working week. I'm like, well, that's going to be tricky then. <laughs> um, or, you know, it's the classic, we want to come and paint a wall. Um <laughs> But actually, we've we've had really good experiences. So we have uh, a charity partnership with the investment bank Namora, and their IT team have donated a lot of their volunteering hours to us. And um, they recently upgraded all their um, lap- all their PCs and computers at Namora, and they gave all of them well as many as we needed to <laughs> us. Um, and they came and fitted them in a day, and that was one of the ways Amazing. they've used it. They've also donated their old server. So, you know, we've experienced a huge upgrade in our IT equipment. Yeah. Um, and they've used their volunteering hours for that. So that's, a, that's an amazing way that's that great. it's worked. You know, they've been using their professional skills to benefit us. Um, and that's something we're always really keen to engage with businesses um, in, you know, using their, yeah. their ability for our benefit. Um, and that's so much better than painting walls um, yeah and also those employees from you know they'll feel more they'll feel part of WizKids they'll exactly. feel attached to it now when you know if there are other future partnerships or they donate money they're like oh amazing you know I remember that experience or I can remember the people that I met there and there's just a more personal relationship with it isn't there as well absolutely yeah Makes so yeah so I think sense. those would be my, my top takeaways I think as well Another one in terms of what what leaders can do, I guess, is you know looking at what your competitors are doing. So who who is who is your biggest competitor, and how are they how are they showing that they're purpose driven to their customers and you know to their future employees as well? Because if that is something millennials are caring about, we're going to be seeing it more and more. And there'll be time in the future where all of your workforce are wanting you to be purpose driven. So addressing it now is yeah. going to benefit for the long run. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Thanks so much, Kitty. That was so great. (laughs) Pleasure. Thanks for having me. And all the best with WizKids. Thank you. If you want to work with us, then contact me. Yeah, contact (laughs) Kitty. (laughs) I'll add her LinkedIn to the description to this episode. (laughs) So that was my interview with the lovely Kitty Powner. And I wasn't kidding. I have added the link to WizKids as well as Kitty's LinkedIn profile to the description of this episode.
And if you didn't already know, at Mighty Waters, we help our clients make the most of their people. And this is an area that I have done a lot of reading and writing about. So if you're interested to find out more of how we can help you in creating a workplace where millennials will thrive, then let's start a conversation and see how we can support you and your organisation in your thinking. And if you're interested um, of reading more about the needs of millennials, you can also download my white paper completely free. It's called Millennials at Work and you can also find the link to it in the description to this episode as well. Until next time and work well. Bye.